Welcome into the Taylor and Carl Hines present the Nothing But Net podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Hudson. Today, no Carl. Talking about the United States men's national team versus Wales friendlies in the Panama friendly coming up later in the week. Something that I've been a big fan of has been the national team. I love the United States men's national team. I love everything about it. The team I care about the most, the team that I want to see succeed the most, and a team that is just a part of my heart, and I'm going to root for them the day I die. I mean, that's just how I see it. A lot of people may feel the same way. A lot of people don't. Um, But I, I feel strongly about this United States men's national team, and I always will for the rest of my life. So they go to Swansea tomorrow, and they play Wales at 2.45 Eastern on November 12th. Some headlines, no Christian Pulisic, he's out because of injury. No Josh Sargent, travel restrictions, has to stay in Germany. And this is a very, very young team. 21 years old is the average age of this team. That tells you how young people are. There's people that are younger than me. I'm 22, so I could have been called up if I had the soccer talent, but I don't. So that's why I'm behind the mic talking because I love talking about stuff like this. But there's some red flags or not really red flags, but there are, there are some indications of what the future of this team is. One, the youth. So we just talked about 21 years old is the average age of the team. Gio Reyna, 17. Yunus Musa, who just switched over from England, he's 17. There's, there's so much young talent. Conrad De La Fonte, 19. G, or Serginho Des, excuse me, 20 years old. Just so much. Chris Rickards or Chris Richards from Bayern Munich, 20 years old. So just players that we've seen and we heard about who have been on our radar for, come on, bring them onto the team, let them, let them get some reps, they're young. Let them just experience the senior team level. And so this little little rant is going to cover a bunch of things. I, ha- I think that there's a three-step program. We're talking about the Mount Rushmore and just what Greg's doing now. So in the, in the moment... Greg is bringing in youth players. It's a friendly. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I feel like Greg is just seeing who he can, who who has the best potential, and who can, um, who who can he call on when it comes up to the qualifying of the 2022 World Cup or the Gold Cup that's going to be coming up next year. Because you, these, as of right now, are the only two friendlies for the rest of the year, Wales and Panama. So I mean, you can talk about Wales, which is they can honestly be in the same category as us. They have a little bit more development players, more players who have been certified and have been given the opportunity and have been capped by Wales to come back. And you know, you got Gareth Bale there, superstar for Wales, probably one of the best players in Wales history. Someone that's fun to watch. And he's like our version of Christian Pulisic. It's just something that you love. And when they talk about, when the media talks about him, you're like, yeah, I get behind that. I, I love Christian Pulisic. Show me more about it. Or Gio Reyna now. Gio Reyna has just been the, the new guy. He's the new toy in the toy box. Christian's been kind of pushed to the side. We got Gio Reyna now. He's 17. He is the future. We're going to hear a lot about that in this. That's what I'm going to talk about is the future, the past, and the present. But for right now, let's stay in, in the present. So we, like I said, the youth is a notion of this team. Greg brings in all these players that are very young, 
seeing what he seeing what the future is going to look like, where we're at as a nation when it comes to developing players around that high school, middle school age where they really start to mature and start to understand the game and figure out and, and really get that in-game intelligence. The high IQ that we see with special players, you know, across Europe. Players that are just kind of ahead of their time. And being being a part of your senior team is, you know, it's it's a great honor. So a lot of these guys could be starstruck because, hey, we're, you know, it's my first time. I'm, I'm here in Swansea. I've never been overseas. I've never been to Wales. You know, oh, my gosh, I'm playing against Gareth Bale. Like, it, it's a lot. It's a, it's kind of a star starstruck moment where you see Gareth Bale in the tunnel and you're like, oh, my you know, I used to watch videos of this guy. I used to play with this guy in FIFA. Some of these guys are going to be in those shoes. No doubt in my mind. They're going to be going against people who they've played with on FIFA Ultimate Team. That they packed. Players that they use seasons in. People that they've watched on big games, Champions League. Try to recreate the goals. Try to recreate their runs. Their, their iconic celebrations. A lot of those players and a lot of that stuff I just talked about. It, it's a reality. It really is. I mean, I'm 22 years old, and if I saw Gareth Bale in the tunnel, I'd, I'd, I'd probably cry. I'm like, Gareth Bale, I love Gareth Bale. So I think you're going to see a little shaky start, but I, I do think that this team will hang around. And then the, well, where they get the result, we'll have to see. These guys, like I said, 10 of them out of the 24, no caps at all for the team. Um, I feel like Greg's trying to build up a locker room, a culture, and we, we need to – take note of that that they're young and that they're mixing together there's a lot of catering on this team we can talk about that in a second one MLS player Sebastian Leggett 21 games he's played in the MLS season has six goals three assists some that he's he's going to be considered a veteran on this team we look at the team we look at the age the oldest person Tim Ream then you got John Brooks Sebastian Leggett who's 28 so he'd be above John Brooks but those are the veterans Matt Mizaga He's 25. He's he's kind of in that veteran range. Zach Steffen, 25. He's kind of a veteran too. You're going against schoolboys. That's basically what Wales is going to see is a schoolboy lineup with the potential to be better in the future. But for right now, you're, you're going against a bunch of college kids, recent high school grads. But when I talk about catering players, we, we've kind of catered the dual citizen player. Now, this has been something that has been debated about, talked about, and you've seen it since Jurgen Klinsmann was the manager. The players that are dual national national stars. Serginho Des, I thought, that, you know, every day of him, of that month of him deciding who he's going to play for, I feel like I just read so much stuff about it that I knew who he was and I, I act like he was like a, a high school buddy of mine. And you're going to see that a lot from Eunice Musa, as you said last week chose United States invitation over England. He's already played for England in the U15s and the U16s, I believe, 15 caps. But he's played for the English national team. And we're going to see them cater to him because they know that he has a very, very high potential. He plays for Valencia. He finally scored a goal in La Liga. Big moment for him. But the United States is, of course, and Greg, too, are going to cater to him and make sure that the environment is good for him so he he remains loyal to this this program because I really do consider this a, re, a rebuild. And we, we you were there in 2018. I was there. Trinidad-Tobago. 
We needed we needed to draw a win. You got players on the sideline asking, what's the score to the games? Why, why does that matter? Go out there, get a point, or get, get the dub. And if you lose, you don't qualify. It's simple as that. You don't need to know the other results. So that's what Greg's done. He's gotten rid of players that are old, that are already been in been in their, you know, they've already represented the nation. Look, when you're in your 30s, upper 30, or, you know, mid, early 30s, you know, you, you, you kind of get kicked out. Tim Ream, it's possible he won't even be in the gold, you know, it could be possible he won't even be in the World, World Cup squad of 2022 or maybe even in the gold cup run in 2022. It might be 2021. Let me just make sure. Yeah, 2021. I still think he might be. He'd be 34. But, I mean, if some young star comes out in the next year, his spot could be up for grabs. You, you just don't know. That's why this is a very interesting squad when we see this youth movement and we see this international movement, what Greg's going with, because I think it's part of a bigger plan. But before I get into that, let's go back to Trinidad Tobago. We've seen everyone talk about it. Taylor Twelman, what are we doing? What are we doing as a nation? Pay to play. People that are in inner cities who can't afford it, you know, we're missing we're missing out on these athletes. But, I mean, if you ask me personally, I don't think you need the best athletes to win a soccer game. I don't think that's how it is. I don't think you need somebody that's built like DK Metcalf to, to be your starting striker. I don't believe that. You don't need people that need built like Adam Torre. You don't need people like that at, at all 11 positions. Look at Messi. Perfect example. He doesn't wow you with athleticism. He's quick, but guess what he's known for? His intelligence? His technique? Same thing with Ronaldo. Why, why are these two guys special? Because they have the work ethic. They know what to do, and they do it well, and they excel at that. They, they, they have this hunger, and I feel like this United States men's national team right now is young. They're inexperienced. They're starstruck, but I feel like there is a sense that we're going to talk about that they are hungry. They want to succeed. They want to be in the World Cup. They, they probably were watching the 2018 World Cup and were shocked just like you and I, and they were younger than us. They didn't know how they, they. I mean, they're kids, you know. You you were a kid at one point, and you know you saw your dad or your mom or your your relative watching a sporting event, and they lost a World Series or the Super Bowl or something, and you saw them in tears or screaming and yelling. You're like, why are they screaming? They're just it's just the game. But now these guys who have watched that and saw the failure, they could be traumatized. They can use that as motivation. I bet you Christian Pulisic is using that 2018 failure as motivation. No doubt in my damn mind. But this is an important time for this national team because think about your favorite club right now. Think about any sport, basketball, football, soccer still. Think about your icons, your legends of your organizations. I'll give you one of mine, Derek Jeter. I love Derek Jeter, champion. He did it the right way. He represented the pinstripes. He's considered an icon because he carried himself professionally. Now, we can look at my Mount Rushmore, the United States men's national team. I got Landon Donovan. I feel like that's a guy that's been cemented. I feel like for the rest of the time, he's going to be somebody that talked about as a true American in the sense of soccer, not politics but he's been a he's he's the he is the guy that has opened up the game clint dempsey kobe jones tim howard 
these are guys who are more recent. I mean, Kobe Jones is not, but they're more recent to the game. But they're considered legends. But who are they competing against? That's that's my point. This Mount Rushmore is still wet. The cement is not dried. The artist can go back and chisel out something new, even though you know you know what I mean. <laughs> You're not gonna go up there and really change the face of the rocks, you know. But this generation of players, these young kids, are going to mature in front of us, and they have the potential. That's the key word. The potential to set the example for the future generations. There are people on this lineup, Serginho Dest, Weston McKenney, Tyler Adams, Tim Ream, not Tim Ream, excuse me, but Matt Mazaga, Conrad De La Fonte. These are guys, Timothy Way. These are guys, well, kids, who can will grow up to be guys, then they'll go through men, and then they could potentially be legends for the national team. They have the opportunity to set the standard for this national team. They really do. It's a big opportunity. It's big shoes to fill. But if nobody's going to wear the shoes, I mean, you're going to try them on. You you have to understand that these guys, this group of kids, will grow up with us in front of our eyes. They're going to represent this nation the best they can. But my goal is that they they need to realize And we need to realize that this is the start of a golden generation, not for 2022, but for 2026. These guys, this group of guys, have the potential to be on the Mount Rushmore, be the greats, be the Landon Donovans, the Clint Dempseys. And that's why Greg's calling them up. The potential is, this is why he's calling up this young team, the potential. And I feel like, as fans, we've we've pushed back on this idea of MLS, but I mean, that's a whole other discussion. MLS, whether you like it or you don't, I mean, we, we've come to accept that soccer's growing in America. It's through MLS, and that the average fan likes MLS, and they haven't gotten to overseas soccer yet. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Maybe they like MLS because it's, you know, that's what they grew up watching. But we, we have to understand as a soccer nation, we're coming up, you and I have both seen our communities, local towns, local states, embrace soccer, become crazy for it, become, you know, as we would for our professional teams in other sports like football, baseball, basketball, your college towns, college sports. Soccer is growing. The community starting to embrace it and accept it, and now we're starting to expect stuff. Look, I'm a new fan of soccer. 2014 World Cup hooked me. That Clint Dempsey goal in the first minute, just it hooked me. It's like, wow, that is amazing. I feel great. It's United States. So look, I, I'm from the United States. It's easy to follow. Eleven guys on there. They're just passing the ball around. I didn't know much. Now I know more. I'm more educated. I know more about the European game than I do the MLS. But now I'm educated, and now I'm starting to expect stuff from this national team. Because we went through the lowest of the lows in 2018. We went through that. 2014 was part of the high of the highs. We're, you know, Tim Howard, 15 saves. I mean, we're a Chris Wondolski <laughs> tapping goal away from beating Belgium. And that's painful, too. So not only did we ride the highs in the painfuls of 2014 because we could advance, but what still, you, you would still call the 2014 World Cup a, a success. You would. Now, the failure of the qualifying 2018, that's the lowest we've been as a soccer nation. It's 2018. 
So now we're, we're loading up on young talent. We're getting Serginho Dest. We're getting the Yunus Musa. We're getting those guys to, to switch to the United States because there's an opportunity for them to get the playing time. And the competition isn't as great. I mean, that's fair to say. I mean, we can compare the current squad to the, the English squad. No wonder why Yunus Musa came over here. He's not going to compete with the Sanchos, the Vardys, Phil Foden. You know, you know that. We know that. Everyone knows that. But he needs to understand that if he's going to commit with us, these dual citizens, they're, they're going to be the next generation of players. Uh, people that are dual citizens go, okay, well, Serginho Dest did it. You know, if Eunice, Eunice, if I'm saying that correctly, if he stays with us for long term, like he did it and he reaped the benefits. He, he, um, he opened the door for English players going to America. Because I, I feel like we're in a time now where we will accept players if they're dual nationalists. And if you don't, if they had to be born in America and lived here for many years, then I'm gonna say it: you're not a, you're not a true fan of this team. If they're putting on the uniform, they're putting on the badge for this national team. I don't care if they're from, you know, they're they're dual citizenship from India, from Germany, from Mexico, Canada. If they're putting on this national team, I'm gonna give them the full love and respect as I would somebody that's lived in here all their life. But let's talk about the three-step plan now, which I think is something that Craig could be on the path of if Craig gets to see his full plan through. So this, this is what I'm thinking. So the first step of the plan is less MLS, more international foreign overseas players. Guys that are playing for your Manchester cities, Leicester cities, they're playing for Juve. They're playing for Barca. They're playing for Dortmund, Bayern Munich. These great clubs that we most likely root for when we're not watching MLS. And we're sitting here and we're we're so sick and tired of MLS and it's not doing anything. We're not getting the quality of talent. So Greg's probably sitting there saying, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send out an entire roster besides one player, Sebastian Leggett, and we're going to go full international and see what happens. They're youth. There's going to be mistakes. Obviously, they're young. They're They're college boys. They're Recent high school grad boys. I mean, they're young. They can't, some of them can't even buy beer yet. Some of them can't even buy cigarettes. But they're gonna, he's going to take the risk, and they're going to bring on the more international guys. See if the talent meshes together. Because look at it. You know, look at England in, in their golden generation in the mid-2000s. Those guys, oh, world-class, best, best Premier League players, club icons. But if they don't mesh, it doesn't work. It's not a surprise. Those guys were more concerned about their club than the country, and I bet you all of them, looking back at it, it's been a couple years removed now, You know, getting to the point where it's going to be almost 20 years removed when they're in that golden generation, they're going to look back and say, damn, if I just cared more about the three lines. They're not saying they didn't care, but if they would put along, or that they put the club hatred aside and the rivalries aside and work together, they probably could have won a World Cup. But that's something that sticks with you. But if Greg's going to move in this in this way, he has to understand that there's going to be some hiccups, but they got to mesh together. But they're young. Remember, they are young. That's why this this three-step plan could work out in Greg's favor and for us as fans. So number two, the second step. So number one was less MLS, more international. You want to get the best talent, working with the best players overseas. They're young. They're absorbing everything. They're understanding different tactics and why people play certain balls and why the formation works like this and why he should be in this position. So they're going to be experimenting. They're going to be giving a lot of feedback. 
it's going to better not only the players that are playing in these overseas, but players that are not in that specific country, in that specific league, but they understand why he's giving those instructions. And it's going to create, you know, on paper, it's going to create uh, intelligent dialogue about the game, which will hopefully, if it's done correctly, and if, like I said, on paper it sounds great, if it works that way, they'll, the both sides will better each other and they'll understand and they will learn as a group. No, it could blow up in their face and say, well, no, you play over there. You play tiki-taka. Well, we play high-pressing. That's what I do, and, and I don't care. what Your way doesn't work. And my team's done it for five years. I've been playing for under you know, Pep for possession you know, forever, and I think that's, that's the ultimate way. Now, obviously, that's an extreme case, but people may butt heads. They may do that. That's fine. They butt heads. But you, you just hope that – they understand their perspectives of each other's games, and they understand why players make certain runs, why they hold the ball up, why they cross to the flank, why they passed it back. If they, you got to create this dialogue where they're talking about the game in a informative matter in which they are learning. If they're learning and understanding, then they, they, they develop habits. They expect players to make that run so I can lay that ball off. So when we're watching pivotal moment, they're doing a one-two, and he passes, and the guy stops, and, and you know they're they're you know two on one, and they you know mess it up. We're gonna try to avoid that. So when that opportunity comes, they've talked about it. They talked about it on the pitch. They've done it off the pitch, on the on the plane rides. You know if that's the case, and that opportunity comes, or it's a two on one, he passes it off, and they score a goal, and we we see that, then it's gonna benefit. But if we see them go up there and they fail, and they they they, they don't score the goal. They do a bad pass, leads to a counterattack goal, and, and you know they're sitting there looking at each other. We don't want that to happen. So you want them to create dialogue that's informative, and that's just why they have the that's why the international aspect of this is so important unless MLS, because MLS it's not unified. There's a lot of different reasons why that's a thing, why why you know, MLS is not so competitive. Players come to retire there. Whole nother podcast, but that, that's what I feel like. The international players who play overseas are getting better tactics, better instructions, and I'm going to bring it back to the national team. Number two in this plan, the rough product of 2022 World Cup. So let's just, you know, we hope that this team qualifies. Now these guys will be in, you know, maybe they'll be peaking the 21s, 22. Some of them will be 20, 23. So they're very young. They're, they're young lads, young guys still. They haven't really matured, but they made it to the World Cup. The group stage, Maybe. If they don't, you may consider it a failure, but don't expect them to go into 2022 and win the World Cup. Don't expect that. But expect them to compete hard, play as a squad, develop as a squad, and they will wear the badge with honor, respect, and they're going to give it all. That's that's the biggest thing about 2022. If they get to the group of 16 or group of 8, you know, it could be a miracle Cinderella run. We don't know. But if that's to happen, that's even that's additional. That's that sprinkles on the donut or icing on the cake or the cherry on top, whatever you want to say, that's still good. But we have to make sure that they get into the 22 World Cup and that they get they have to get there. If that if they don't qualify, Greg's done, this plan's done, and now you just wasted four years. Well, two, three, you know what I mean. They waste that time, that time slot of preparing this squad for the 22 
the 2022 World Cup. So if they get there, they get to the round of 16, if they get to the round of 8, maybe, then we're going to see the progress because this is the final step. I firmly believe this, and I'm going to stay by this to the day that 2026 World Cup happens, that they want to contend for that 2026 World Cup. The expectations are going to be there. They're going to say, look back at, look back in, in 2020 where Greg called up these young guys against Wales and Panama. These guys that were 18, 19, 17, these, these youth guys, they got to the 2022 World Cup. They play together. They know each other. You want to know what who did this? Spain did that. Think about their 2010 squad. Those guys played, played with each other since they'd been 15. It was, it was just majestical the way these guys played. They, were, they all were for the Spanish nation. They weren't because they were Barca and, and Real Madrid. Now, maybe some of the conflict was that, just like the English side. But you want to get to 2026, and you're going to really contend because if, if, if the development goes well, and you get some results in 2022, like I said, if they get to the group of 16 and you know pushing it the group of or the last eight, and they're getting this, you know, they're going against tough school, uh, tough nations. Like you go against Germany, Italy, Netherlands, England, Brazil, you know, Chile, Russia. You know these these opponents that they don't really get to play often. Argentina, you know these these developed nations that have great talent. If they can get there and go head-to-head, go toe-to-toe, and hold their ground and maybe lose in penalties or if they, and they lose on a last-minute goal, but they get there, they get the little, that little taste of, you know, that little bad taste in their mouth because they lose off penalties or, you know, they, they lose 2-1 or they lose 2 nothing or, you know, one nothing, and they get a little bit of sourness, that's going to harden them up. And when they get to 2026, they're going to be like, this is our time. I genuinely believe that this team can get to that moment where they look at, we're going to contend for this World Cup on home soil. I, I, I think that's the plan. I really do think that's the plan that Greg's looking at, the U.S. Soccer Federation, is that their eyes are not set on 2022. It's on 2026. You bring in youth guys. They're international. They're playing at the big clubs. They're getting you know the elite talent of coaching, tactics, instructions, all that good stuff. They're playing against hard talent. They're playing in Champions League. They're playing against people all over Europe, you bring them in, right, like they are, like Greg's doing now. They play through the 2022 World Cup if they get in. They're gelling as a squad. Now they're in the mid-20s, and by the time they get to 2026, they're in the prime of their career, which would be in, in your mid to late 20s, the prime of their careers. And that's going to be the moment where they solidify themselves on that Mount Rushmore if they can get results and I'm not saying that they have to win a World Cup to be successful, but if they were a generation, a squad of, of players that went to the 22 World Cup, to the 2026 World Cup, and they got far, they got to the semis, or they, they lost in the World Cup, if that's the case, which is right now we're looking at this, and you're probably listening, and you're saying, man, that's extreme. That's a little too radical. But if this is the plan that we're working on, it's not, it's not going to be a radical decision. It's not going to be a surprise that, United States got to the, the World Cup final or the semifinals. But they have to stick with this plan, and they have to get into the 22 World Cup. That is the biggest part. You can go youth now. That's fine. But if you're going youth now, you're committing to this plan. You have to get into the 22, the 2022 World Cup, 
and you have to be able to get results in that World Cup to build off into the 2026 World Cup because you you can't just throw players together and hope they get in the World Cup. We saw that in 2018. didn't work. But if Greg starts it now, like he's starting to do it now, baby steps over time, you're going to see the same guys. Oh, Serginho Ness is in the lineup. Anthony Robinson's in the lineup. Oh, Chris Richard or Rickards. Sorry, Chris Richards is in the squad. Weston McKinney's leading them. And Tyler Adams is being a veteran. And Pulisic is scoring goals. And you see Tim, you know, Timothy Weah, he's scoring great goals. And Conrad DeLafonte and Reina and all these guys that you've watched since they've been youth boys. And you see them in the 2026 World Cup. There's no doubt in my damn mind you're not going to be more invested in that team than any other team in your life. Not a doubt. If you've if you've grown up and you've watched this program and you watch these young guys grow up to be men, and when it comes to 2026 World Cup and they're in there and they're competing their their ass off, there is no doubt in my mind you're gonna be telling stories to your kids and to their grandkids. And if you're lucky enough, the grand grandkids, your great grandkids, saying, I watched, you know, I watched Conrad De La Fonte, and I watched Pulisic, and I watched Reyna and Tyler Adams just lead this United States men's national team, These, this underdog that everybody was, you know, not, not giving credit to, and they were just saying, there's no way. But if you were to watch it right now, starting today with this Wales game, and you watch them grow up in the 22 World Cup, the 2022 World Cup, excuse me, and you saw them get to the 2026 World Cup, the same group of guys. And some of them may interchange out, but that's that's how it goes. But if there's a solid team and they're all in it together and they have been with each other for the last 10 years, plus some of them played in the, you know, under under 19 World Cup, the youth World Cups, the Olympic sides. But if they can do that in 2026 and we see this squad with some familiar names now, there's no doubt in my damn mind that this team could compete for a World Cup. But that's what I've been thinking about recently, is this United States men's national team and what the future is and how it correlates with the present and how the past has fueled the present to motivate for the future. That's what this team's all about. And it starts with this Wales-Panama-friendly matches in November. I'm Taylor Hudson. Uh, Feel free to follow the podcast, listen to past episodes. You can comment with me on Twitter and um, see if you agree or disagree with me. I'll be open to debate with you. No, 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 nothing's set in stone, right or wrong, how the national team happens. We'll take it as it goes. But you're going to tell me, I'm going to leave this with you. You're going to tell me that you wouldn't be more involved and more passionate about that 2026 squad if this timeline works. It's a big thing, if it works. You must be crazy, man. That'd be the, that'd be the team of my life. I'm Taylor Hudson. You're listening to the Taylor and Carl Hines present the Nothing But Net podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for stopping by, and thank you for listening. I appreciate it.